Our text is Nahum, chapter 3. Nahum, chapter 3, verse 16. You may want to put a bulletin in the book of Revelation around chapter 11. Or chapter 18, I mean. And uh, we'll be going there in just a uh, little bit. But uh, our text is in our study of the book of Nahum. We're in chapter 3 now, in verse 16. Probably have about two or three sermons left in this series. And then we'll go on to another. But uh, right now... We're in Nahum. It's easy to find. It's right after Micah and right before Habakkuk. Okay. I've always wondered about Habakkuk. You know, if he was American, would say, hey, Habby. But they had to say that name all the way out in that day, I think. So, Habakkuk. Habby. Nahum. I don't think he'd want to be called Nay. So I don't know how they do that. Well, I don't know how we got on there. Steve, I think that's your fault. I looked at you and just got going that direction. Okay. All right. Verse 16 here in a sermon I've titled, Canker Worms of the Soul. Thou hast multiplied thy merchants above the stars of heaven. The canker worm spoileth and fleeth. Away. Now shall we pray. Father, help us to rightly divide your word. I pray that thy Holy Ghost would just make it clear to each and every heart in attendance today. Do the work that I can't do, but you can. That is the work that takes place in the heart. And we'd ask this in Jesus Christ's precious and holy name. Amen. Well, when we covered verses 13 through 15, we saw the destruction that was going to happen to Nineveh. And it happened exactly like it said it would uh, not long after this book is written. But they are reminded as to why now, beginning here in verse 16. And we see revealed some very interesting things, I believe, in this verse. Uh, these people were not what they appeared to be. Okay, now, Nineveh is the capital of the Assyrian kingdom. And they just... You know, the old term that you hear today sometimes is they're too big to fall. And we'll say that about superpowers. You know, well, they're, they're just too big to fall. Uh, that's not true in God's economy. Even America's not too big to fall. Okay. And if God begins to judge, watch out because there's nothing that will stop his hand. So these Ninevites thought, well, we stand strong. And they even strengthen themselves. But there is no strength. There is no power. There is no wisdom that can stand against the Lord when once he begins to move in judgment. Now as we look to our text, we see first of all here the merchants. And he says that the merchants here are multiplied in verse 16. That is, the economy was great. New business, new merchants, more money coming in. It was really great. It was a robust economy. Everything was good. And yet, as I think of that, I'm reminded of Revelation chapter 18, verses 11 through 19, because it tells of the destruction of Babylon that will take place in the tribulation hour. Matter of fact, I think that many of these Old Testament books... They have a, a two-fold purpose. They, they look at the present of that moment, what's going to happen to Nineveh, but it also has a prophetic view of the future. 
uh, I believe that the Babylons of Revelation 17 and 18 are one and the same, but I also believe that they are of Rome. Rome. I believe that that is the Roman church right there. And there's some things I'll describe it. It's on our website, by the way. If you go and, uh, to our website, centralbaptistocala.org, or you can go to the sermonaudio.com and put that right slash and Central Baptist in. You find sermons from Revelation 17 and 18, it'll all be on there. And, and you're, you can go there because they're up there from, from now on. So uh, they've been up there quite a while. As a matter of fact, those sermons we preached on that. But now, as we look at this, uh, these are two different Babylons here. But in Revelation chapter 17, verses 16 through 18, I, I want to lay it out here. Because some say, well, the Babylon of, of Revelation uh, 17 is religious Babylon. Of 18 is economic uh, Babylon. Now, those may be things that are emphasized, but it's the same place. And this Babylon is the one spiritually called, uh, uh, that was, is actually spiritually called Babylon, but it's actually Rome. Uh, we have a good example of that also in Revelation chapter 11, where it talks about that city, Egypt, Sodom, and it was talking about Jerusalem, where our Lord was crucified. The Bible told us that Babylon, the old Babylon, <clears throat> would be in Rumbles, pieces, nothing left of it, covered with sand, and, and it would not be raised again, that Babylon, that location. Some people try to teach it will be. No, it will not be. I do not believe that the modern religion of Islam is the religion that it's talking about there. I believe that the Catholicism that has spread through worldwide through governments and has great control and power in governments around the world is the one it's talking about. It meets the criteria of, uh, of a religious city, uh, part of the old Roman Empire, and setting on seven mountains. And so it meets all of that criteria, so I believe that that would be it. You may believe something else, and that's fine. You'll see my way when we get to heaven. Um, but now we see in Revelation 17, there is a beast that has ten horns. Seven crowns, uh, seven horns and ten uh, crowns. And, and this, this beast that you have there is the Antichrist. It's the kingdom over which he is. He, he's ahead of this European group of nations. Part of the old Roman Empire that's come back together. On him is the great whore, dressed beautifully, very rich, very well-to-do. And, and uh, she's called the great whore there, and that is referring to Rome. Now, having said that, it says in Revelation chapter 17, verses 16 through 18, it says, And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and to give their kingdom unto the beast. Until the words of God shall be fulfilled. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. Now, what we're seeing here in Revelation chapter 17 is the prediction, the prophecy that Babylon, this religious Powerful Babylon is going to be destroyed. 
That's telling you that's what we just read. You go to chapter 18, and it tells of the destruction that takes place. In other words, Revelation 17 says it's going to happen. Revelation 18 tells you what happened. Okay, about this future prophecy. And he said in verse 2 of Revelation 18, And he cried uh, mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. So again, that happens after the destruction. Revelation 17 predicted. Revelation 18, it already happens. It takes place. Now, so this is just one religious Babylon, not two, and another one's religious uh, power, economic power. They're, they're, they're one place. It's one people. And this religious whore does what a whore does. She sells herself. That's why uh, Catholicism can be in a conservative area and be very conservative, and then they can be in an area that's very liberal and be liberal. They can be wherever they can become, whatever they are, incorporate the gods of those nations, the gods of those various religions into their religion, and, and be used in order to gain their people. And they gain power that way, and they have much uh, riches to back that up. And so again, here's, they are, they've come together. And they're one. Chapter 18 describes the completeness of this old whore who is destroyed. The one world religion of Antichrist must do this. You see, they must because those kingdoms, that beast represents those ten kings that he sets on. They must. it's, It's important. They must. Destroy her so that this Antichrist can set himself up in Israel and receive all the worship. And we read about that as well in the book of Revelation. But we're not uh, on that right now. But this is the reason for destroying that place somewhere right around the middle of the tribulation. Uh, He's considered to be Israel's helper. Uh, In another sermon, we said I thought it might be. He, he's probably a, of Jewish descent, probably of the tribe of Dan. That's not a set in stone doctrine, but I believe it, okay? Uh, because various things in the scripture that seem to point that way. So I'm trying to just put out some things here to help you see this. But Revelation chapter 18 shows the loss of that religious and economic system dealing with Rome. And so with that, we want to consider Revelation 18, beginning with verse 11. And there it says, And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. And by the way, you go into these various stores. Uh, you can go into a, a well, a, a nice store. You can go into a, a store of that's a jewelry store. You can go into these little markets, you know, that have things old and new. And you'll always find jewelry. And in the midst of jewelry, you'll find that there are a lot of crucifixes and things of that nature. They're there. And it brings in a living for the one selling it as well as for Rome. And so they prosper quite well from it. And so again, here it is, the merchants 
uh, of the earth weep in Nineveh's day because the economy involved them. It revolved around Rome, and so it involved them, and this is where they're making their money. Verses 12 through 14 goes on to say, The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and of fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and thine wood and all matter of vessels of ivory and all matter of vessels of most precious wood and of brass and of iron and marble and cinnamon and odors and ointments and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and, and beast and sheep and, and horses and chariots and slaves and souls of men and the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee and all the things uh, which are dainty and goodly are departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more at all. Now, what you see there in this is that it's describing money, precious metals, jewelry, various goods, clothing, food, medicines, even the fulfillment of sinful pleasure things. It's all in there in those verses. Those things are used in those things. That was true in Nineveh. And it's going to be true in that day. Look at the rest of verses 15 through 19. And the merchants of these things, which were made rich by her, shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing. Isn't it interesting? They stand afar off. They're not going to go there to try to help. Uh, she's been wasted in one hour, so I don't think they want to be around there. But nonetheless, he says, uh, they stand afar off, weeping and wailing, and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet, and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour, so great riches is come to, to naught. And every shipmaster and all the company in the ships and sailors and as many as trade by sea stood afar off. That looks at shipping and manufacturing the sailors. And they cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, this, what city is like unto this great city? And they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing and saying, alas, alas, that great city wherein were all made rich, all that, that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness, for in one hour she is made desolate. Isn't it interesting? They're weeping and wailing, they're crying, they're broken for her, but you know what? It does say because they loved her. They're weeping and wailing for her because the source of their riches is gone. That's why they do it. You know, next week is Memorial Day weekend. There were people that gave their lives to make this a country. Uh, you know, one of the reasons I believe that they cut out, they cut out uh, history for the most part in your schools, especially American history. I, when I went to high school, we had Americanism versus communism. And, and I believe one of the reasons they cut that out is so they can change the history. If people don't know the history, they can change it. Now we have the most wicked people that were ever born on the face of this earth founded this country. 
if you listen to the media and the others that don't know what they're talking about. Okay. No, we could say a Judeo-Christian ethic because this country was founded on a Judeo-Christian ethic. In other words, the Word of God, many of the things from the Word of God. Now, were all those people saved? No. No, but the, the criteria for it was right. And when you get away from that, then you're headed for trouble. Well, I, I think that's what happened there. But when those people gave their lives, whether you're looking at Valley Forge or any of other the battles for our freedom, I don't think those guys were giving their lives, saying, hey, you know what? If we do this, we'll really get rich. I, I don't think any of them were saying, if we'll do this, then we can abort babies and, and have homosexual marriage. They weren't doing it for that. But they were doing it to make this a good country in which to raise children. And they may not get to see it, and they did not get to see it, but their progeny did. I don't know how I got there, but this age is fun to take the trip. <laughs> now, here they are, Nineveh. I believe they were hated worldwide in that time. When you read of some of the things they did, wherever they went in and destroyed, they had to be hated worldwide. And yet she is the number one and, and in power in the world, the, the Assyrian uh, power. And she's the capital of Assyrian uh, domination. And her merchants prosper in this Assyrian kingdom. And particularly... It centers around Nineveh. I think at Rome, people love Rome too. But when it's destroyed and the money's gone, where do they turn? Yes, Nineveh was number one in her day. But what was the benefit? Once they're destroyed, it's all over. People don't care. I, I was in Israel. The first time I went to Israel, it was with the Ministry of Tourism. So they took us to different places. But nonetheless, I was in East Jerusalem. And, and here comes a truck. The streets are real narrow. Here comes a pickup truck, and it's a wide thing. If you stand in the street, even on the edge of the road, you're going to get hit. So I saw a sidewalk. I stood up on it to watch, let this thing come by. Well, I'm standing there. All of a sudden, I hear somebody yelling, screaming behind me. I turn around, and there I was standing on the sidewalk of a mosque. And the imam wasn't happy that I was corrupting the sidewalk by standing on it, okay? And he must have smelled my shoes. But nonetheless, he, was, he came out there going, You know, I couldn't understand a word he was saying. But I kind of knew what he meant, the way he was pointing and everything. And there's still, I was, I was going to wait till that truck got by before I got off the sidewalk. But about three businessmen from the market right there went out there and pointed at him, and they, they talked the same way he did. I still to this day have no idea what they said. All I know is that imam stopped abruptly, turned around, and walked in, didn't say another word. Those three businessmen came over to me and says, we're sorry, that should have never happened, and it will never happen again. I said, man, I just didn't want to get hit by a truck, you know. But, uh, but the thing is, is this. Money spake a whole lot louder 
in that situation. You say, boy, Muslims want to kill you. I don't know about that. I know they, I've had a friend this week, I think it was, or last week, told me that they were in Jordan. And uh, the guy there said, why do you think Muslims want to kill you? You, make, you mean too much money to us to kill you. And see, that's what happened here in Nineveh. It's what's going to happen in the tribulation with Rome when it gets destroyed. It's the, well, you know, I don't care what's wrong as long as we're making money. That's all I care about. And then it is destroyed. Now, if I'm no benefit to the Muslims, they would probably kill me as being a Christian over there. Antichrist takes leadership. And I believe it comes this way. First of all, in Psalms 83, we read about those nations that are immediately surrounding Egypt. I mean Israel. Egypt's included in, in Gaza and those that just immediately surround them. They're named. Some of them don't have the same names today that they have as their name then. But they are destroyed and that's it. That's it for them completely. This allows Israel to be exalted. Syria is in that group as well. Then... Sometime after that comes a Russian coalition against Israel. Iran, Iraq, I believe, will be a part of that coalition, Persia, which is old Persia. They're also soundly defeated. Five, six of the armies don't return. Now the Antichrist is in place there in Jerusalem. He's getting credit for the work that actually God did. And then he exalts himself and an image is made of him in Jerusalem in the temple that's been rebuilt. And the desolation, the abomination of desolation has been committed. And that's what happens at that time. And so I'm going through all of that just to say that I believe that that is the way that it goes. And then finally it happens in that day. Well, we're looking at Nineveh here in our text. And some of the same things were going on there. And the destruction of Nineveh was just like the destruction in Rome. It happens in a very, very quick thing in a day. The greatest power was the Assyrian power of that day. And Nineveh was the capital. It was the very center of their power. The merchants of Rome from nations around the world who have benefited particularly in shipping and trade, find that they lose their wealth. One might say due to the fall, to what happens. You had the marauders. You know a marauder is defined as a rover who goes and he plunders in quest of booty. The merchants were those who Prospered. Now you might say that this line of the Antichrist with those kingdoms around him, they come in and they take it away. In verse 16, the second part of our text verse, it says, The cankerworm spoileth and fleeth away. The, to spoil is, is to be able to take the uh, is a merchandising term actually is what they do is they go in and they steal. They get it. They take it away. They do it by underhand means. They, they get it from them. 
But the canker worm is also one that feeds on fruit and foliage. The canker worm would uh, destroy uh, that. It would corrupt the foliage. It would corrupt the fruit. You know what? Satan is doing the same thing to local churches today, to nations. The Christians, to the home, to morality and ethics. The beauty of holiness. As a canker worm, he seeks to destroy all. And when people rebel against the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, and the word of God, they are becoming canker worms in the very hands of the devil. And whereas Rome represents that religious uh, Babylon that has corrupted so many through the years and, and their, the blood of the saints that have been shed through them will one day be resolved and be seen and, and, and be revenged by God. But I want you to understand that these other things are going to go on and they'll have to get the mark of the beast in order to buy, sell, or trade. Things will change. We live in today in an American society that is sex crazed. The tongues and the lips of people all over. You, you cannot turn on the news without hearing the filthiest of mouths. Even when you agree with a, a, a position, whether it's conservative or liberal or somewhere in the middle. Even if you agree with them, how can you listen to them when the mouths are so filthy that spewing it out? There's an anti-God, an anti-Bible, <clears throat> and an anti-biblical holiness and godliness uh, attitude in the country today. The sewers of society are filled with the loyalty of a Judas in our churches, in our homes, as well as even, <clears throat> excuse me, the Bible spoke of the last days. Children being disobedient to their parents. Busybodies. Railers. All was predicted of the last days of people entering into the local churches. He talks of the local churches, one of the great signs of the last days. You know, I think it's a great sign of the last days about the Russian coalition, about Israel back in the land. I, I, I think all those are tremendous signs, but I think one of the greatest signs is the corruption of the local church and its worship with its emerging church, with its contemporary church, with its rock and roll, with its beer and Bible, and on down the line you can go, is corrupting it. And people love to have their sin excused by somebody that tries to pick a verse out of context. Isn't it interesting? They got to change your King James Bible to another version to back up their beliefs and actions. You read one of their books, you'll end up reading about 10 or 15 different versions of the Bible. It's time to wake up. We're in the last days. And the question is, are we going to stand? The canker worm spoiler. It takes goods by the force of, of its power of sin, of temptation. You see, I believe that we've raised a generation that has forgotten that the gospel message doesn't clean up the outside it must start in the heart. If the heart isn't first cleansed and it isn't made right before the Lord can work through you, He must work in you. 
And so it has to be something of the heart and the soul that changes a person inside forever. And only the Lord can do that. And once he changes, then you'll see the outside begin to change. No longer people want a fundamental Bible preaching church and life of separation. My friend, that is equal to the spirit of devils and deceit that the Bible say, said would be of these last days. The warfare is ongoing. In that day, talking about the cankerworms spoiling was actually used figuratively in war. Well, understand, we're in a spiritual warfare. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. But against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Do you realize that in Ephesians chapter 6, 12 is listing divisions of ranks of devils? And that's what we're battling against. And we cannot win that war except in the power of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But if you don't walk with God, then you can't overcome. You know, I mentioned abortion a little bit ago. It's murder. It's cold-blooded murder. An abortion doctor that performs abortions, in my opinion, has committed more murders than Theodore Bundy. Now, having said that, An abortion doctor, those that have had abortions can still be saved and forgiven. And God's people, when they repent, need to forgive them too. You know, it could be a homosexual. That's a terrible sin. But God can forgive it and take that away from them. See, there comes a point where you've got to forgive like God does. Now, I don't believe in giving forgiveness until somebody repents. Now, sometimes we have different ideas of repent. Guys, well, <clears throat> yeah, they stopped doing that, but they're not in church like they should. And they're, they, they're, they're, they're not doing this and they're not doing that. Half the people who say that aren't doing it themselves. What I'm saying is, is that God can save. And that's the message that we've got to take to a lost and dying world in the day that we live. Because the time is short. Jesus is coming again. Now, let me say it this way. It was too late. The very moment. The very moment God began to judge, it was too late for Nineveh. 150 years later, they had repented under the preaching of Jonah. But now they have repented of their repentance. And no longer. Do they want to walk back with God? In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 2. We see for he saith. I have heard thee in an accepted time. In a time accepted should I say. And in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold now is the accepted time. Behold now is the day of salvation. Proverbs 29, 1 is still true. He that be not reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly 
be destroyed. Not eventually, suddenly be destroyed. And that without remedy, he says. In, in Matthew chapter 24, verses uh, 43 and 44, we read this. But this know that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Now, I want to look at that two ways. Some people said, I'm going to get saved, but I'm going to wait. You may get cut off. So the first way I want to look at it is this way. You're a Christian. Whatever you're going to do, you better do it now. I believe Jesus is coming again. I believe he's coming soon. And the number one responsibility that we have, be ye holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. He needs a holy vessel to carry out the number one responsibility, and that is to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let the Lord clean you up inside, Christian, and you go forward with his gospel to a lost and dying world. Secondly, if you are not saved, you're not sure if you died today that heaven's your home. My friend, one second after death, it's too late. Just like the rich man in the book of Luke, who was in hell, saying, I am tormented in this flame. It's 2,000 years later and he is still tormented in that flame. And 2 billion years from now he'll still be tormented in that flame. Not able to cease to exist. Not able to, to escape. And he was told, son, remember in your lifetime. And each one under the sound of my voice today... Well, remember, if you die without Christ, you'll remember, I sat in that church. I had an invitation to come and receive the one who died on the cross for my sins and paid all my penalty for all my sin for all time. That was buried and bodily rose from the dead. I had a chance to receive him and I passed it up. And you can hear yourself saying in your mind, not now. I don't want to do that. Oh, they're crazy. What's wrong with those people? And one of your torments, I believe, will be hearing your own voice that ends up in your condemnation to hell. My friend, now is the accepted time. Won't you receive him as your Lord and Savior? Let's bow our heads, please.